السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته. This is Amini Swedi and Zulfa Kasim. And you're listening to the Murid Talks podcast. So, hello, brother Amini. How are you? I'm doing well, Sister Zulfa. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I'm grateful. We have such a wonderful weather today. I think we'll have a good talk. Inshallah. <laughs> Just Inshallah. because it's a wonderful weather. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I hope everyone out there is also doing well and we are eager to share with you what we have today. So getting right into it. Last time we talked about religion and how it is important for anyone seeking true spiritual understanding and how to live it, that religion is important. Exactly. Or tradition. Or tradition, yes. And we did discuss how they're different. And I think this is very important because there's a lot of pseudo-spirituality in our recent times. You know, what we lack mostly in this, in our time, is spiritual understanding. We have a spiritual hunger. Mm. And... I think Rene Gonon has mentioned this yeah. some in some of his texts. Yeah. So, as you said, there's a lot of authors who have talked about the increasing degradation of values and the detachment from true spirituality. I don't know if detachment is the right word, but the idea is that the more we move forwards in time, the farther and farther away we get from the divine, right? And so think of it as the the ray or the sun, right? Mm. Obviously the ray goes all the way towards the indefinitude, but when it's closest to the sun, it's the brightest, right? But as it goes, it fades and fades away. Obviously, as with any analogy, that does not necessarily explain the entirety of the situation, but yes, there is a fading of spiritual value, spiritual knowledge. And of course, because of this, it creates a certain hunger. Mm. Because uh, creatures, the created, have in their true essence a connection to the divine. And so if uh, there is a very dark veil, yeah, Mm. or a white gap, the more... The more noticeable and... Desperate, I guess. Exactly. We get. Yeah, the hunger kind of increases because of that gap, right? And that's why you see that a lot of people are trying to grasp. Yeah. This. Anything close to that. Exactly. Anything close to spirituality. Yeah. We're in constant search of that thing that we know it's there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because of this wide gap, we feel like it's outside of us or somewhere far, but really it's within our own selves, you know. Exactly. Yeah, And religion has become so constricted, so mm. confining in most cases, mm. that the spiritual aspect of it is even lost, that true essential aspect that true essential love and spirituality is lost Mm. and so we find i think it also explains why most people will turn into traditional ideas and in most cases people just take different traditional ideas try to compile it and make this their own spiritual journey Mm. 
And I think that's where pseudo-spirituality really comes forth. Rather than going through the traditional way, which is taking one form of traditional understanding of God and actually going through the path. So in a way, I try to urge myself and religious teachers to try to bring people into the spiritual understanding of things so that we don't find religion as this punishment and reward system, mm, you know? Exactly. This hell and heaven system that as if there's nothing else in it, mm. just to to feed that hunger, you know, slowly, slowly. Mm. And I think this is where I was reading the other day the hadith, one of the hadiths. It was narrated on the authority of Umar who said, while we were one day sitting with the messenger of Allah, there appeared before us a man dressed in extremely white clothes with very black hair. No traces of journeying were visible on him and none of us knew him. He sat down close by the prophet, rested his knees against his thighs and said, O Muhammad, inform me about Islam. The messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, Islam is that you should testify that there is no deity except Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger, that you should perform salah, pay the zakah, fast during Ramadan and perform hajj to the house if you are able to do so. The man said, you have spoken truly. We were astonished as at his questioning him and telling him that he was right. But he went on to say, Inform me about Iman. He, the Messenger of Allah, answered, It is that you believe in Allah and his angels and his books and his messengers and in the last day and in Qadr or fate, both in its good and its evil aspects. He said, You have spoken truly. Then the man said, Inform me about Ihsan. He, the Messenger of Allah, answered, It is that you should serve Allah as though you could see him. For though you cannot see him, yet know that he sees you. And the story or the hadith goes on and on. But as I was, I heard Hamza Yusuf explain this once, this hadith basically explains religion the way I understand in three aspects. Our religion, Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. But I think you're better at <laughs> this part, so I'm going to let you have the floor. <laughs> yeah, so the beauty of this hadith is that it highlights the various dimensions of religion, and particularly the religion of Islam. But just to ping back a little bit on what you're talking about before I get into the exposition of the hadith, one of the things that René Guénon Again, back to René Guénon. Hmm. Um, one of the things that he condemned is something called syncretism. Okay. What does that mean? Syncretism means taking elements of different traditions or religions and combining them into a different form and practicing that as if it were the right way towards God. Hmm. So one of the major defining factors of pseudo-spirituality is its habit of taking different elements. So it will take yoga from hmm. Hinduism and some prayer from Christianity 
and some other thing from Buddhism and some other thing from somewhere else, and then combining these things as if that would lead you to, to God. But the problem with that is, one, by mixing these different forms, you might be doing greater disadvantage towards the path than actual advantage because only the divine truly understands the right combination of actions, devotions, mantras, and the whole package, right? That would lead you towards the essential, which is the divine itself. And so these packages are what we might call religion or tradition. And that is why we emphasize on the importance of a divinely revealed tradition or religion. Mm. It's very important to note that if you want to lead a spiritual life, you have to strictly subscribe to a particular tradition or religion because each tradition or religion has a set of guidelines specifically put there by the divine to lead you towards the center. By taking different elements, you're not doing anything. It's just taking the form without understanding the letter. And this goes very much to your point that religion has become dry. That's very true because of the way in which we approach things, that we are approaching things only from an external point of view, similar to the pseudo-spiritualists. They're taking just the forms, the external, you know, the things that seem beautiful from religions and traditions, right? You know, the dance circles and the mantras and the yogas, right? They're beautiful. They're fantastic. That's why you take them. But you don't want to do the other things that seem a little bit harder, right? You don't want to stick to, for example, the Sharia, which is, it is tough, right? Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the Hadith specifically, the Hadith offers us the structure of the Islamic creed. Now, the things that we have to do to lead to the essential, to go from the exoteric, from the exterior, towards the interior. Now, on the last episode, we talked about the three things that form or define a religion according to the traditionalist school. Mm. And we say that these are the dogma in which the exposition of the doctrine of that particular creed are found in. And then we have the moral code or the law, and we also have the rituals. Now, if you go to the Hadith, the Prophet is asked about Islam by this mysterious figure. And he says that there's five things or five pillars that define Islam, declaring that there is no God but God and Muhammad is the messenger of God, praying five times a day, giving out your charity or your alms, fasting the month of Ramadan, and going to the pilgrimage Mecca for those who have the capacity to do so in terms of wealth and health. So if you look at these five things, herein you find the body of both the rituals, five times a day of prayer, fasting the month of Ramadan, giving out your alms in charity, going to the pilgrimage, even the shahada, of the declaration of faith, 
all these are ritualistic issues, mm. right? So again, they're repetitive um, and they are on the side of form. They're exoteric in nature. People can see them or you can actually do them. It's, it's about doing, right? Or not doing for mm. the case of fasting. At the same time, I mean, if you are to perform these five things, there is a way of approaching them. You cannot just, for example, pray five times a day or just give out your charity or, you know, just fast. There is a way of doing them. And herein comes the law, the sharia. There is a way of approaching things, preparing yourself to approach these things. So, for example, you cannot give out charity or alms if you earn your money in a way that is haram, that is impermissible. For example, you cannot steal and then give out charity. And so on the basis of Islam, on the exoteric side of things, right, there is the law, which is exoteric. Do this, don't do that. And the rituals. Now, Iman. The Prophet is asked about Iman, faith, right? Which... It's very broad. It's very broad. But then it's somewhere in between. Mm. It's exoteric and somehow esoteric. And so you see here the idea of the three layers. You have, you know, the exoteric, the esoteric, and somewhere in between. And faith lies somewhere there in between. And so here you find the doctrine, right? The three things that define religion, remember? So you have the law, the rituals. Now here you find the doctrine. So believing God and the angels, and the books and the prophets and predestination in the last day, what are they? Who is God? Mm. Who, who are the angels? Who are the mm. prophets? Who, what, what books are you talking about, right? And so herein you have to have a doctrine. You have to have a dogma. You have to have an exposition of those objects of faith. Mm. And so herein we find what we call kalam, which is called speculative theology, mm. right? But then there's a deeper thing to that because speculative theology can be purely theoretical, you can be told, oh, so this is God, right? Mm. God is this and God is not that. And you're like, okay, sure. I'll believe that. Yeah. But I, I've never experienced the truth to that. Mm. And so belief is on the, on, it's, it's a little bit on the edge. You're not really there. You've not experienced it, but you believe. It's like somebody telling you there is a place called Australia. You, you know, believe and, it's there. Yeah, you believe it's there. And Australia is like this and like that. And you have some photos and you have a book that guides you about what Australia is, but you've never been to Australia. Mm. And so you're somewhere in between. So comes in the third layer. What is Ihsan? And Ihsan is defined, according to the prophet, as worshipping God as if you see him. And if you do not see him, he sees you. So it's this deeper than belief kind of... Uh, understanding. Understanding or presence. And so you're in this state of, I am acting not just because I believe or not just because I've been told to do this by the law, by the Sharia, but rather because I have an experience of that divine, right? So it starts from an imaginative position. You have to imagine as, as if God is in front of you. But by imagining that, you actually get to that experience. So it's like saying, okay, what if God is in front of me? What if God is here and I see him? Would I act this way? No, I wouldn't. Would I do this? No. Right? Would I abstain from doing something that I should do? No. 
right? It's like if you're in the presence of your parent and your, your parent is, you know, strict maybe, you wouldn't want to do certain things or you will do certain things to please that parent. Similarly, right? And so that starts from an imaginative position. But if you practice that, you will get to a place where you actually realize that there is an actual presence, mm -hmm. not just imagining the presence. Because God is actually there mm -hmm. in front of you. And God is here now, mm. you know. It becomes very intimate. Exactly. And I think this is where spirituality focuses on. Exactly. I, esoterism. Esoterism yes, in yes. general. Yes. You, you try to reach a point where it's not about identity anymore. Because most of us, we use religion also as an identity. Yeah. Like I'm a Muslim, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And yeah. as if that should designate your goodness or your exactly. fakeness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it becomes more than fear of death uh, or punishment, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. It becomes more than the rationale that you reach with Iman, with faith. Mm, mm, exactly. As you mentioned, the the practical side that, you know, it makes sense that all this, is, there must be a being behind it, mm. you know, because these, I think, are different levels of trying to understand God in ourselves, you know. So you go beyond all that to a point that even some, some hadiths have mentioned that you become... He, God's eyes and mm. ears mm. because you are so intimate with him that you're almost like one thing mm. and you experience life as if he's there with you experiencing mm. it and this is what I think most of us try to reach but we really just don't know that this is it mm. or and as I've learned throughout the the path is that it's not something so dramatic. It could be as simple as breathing. Which, which it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I, I'm trying to understand this and trying to, to point out that true spirituality lies within. Mm. Just like as this hadith tries to show, that there are levels. And if you truly want to know God, you have to go through these levels. And I promise you, you will reach to that point. Just don't give up on it, like I would say. And be very sincere about it. Because God guides people with their intentions, mm. you know. And in a way, I'm trying to shun all pseudo-spiritualism because it's really affecting a lot of God's true understanding, you mm. know. Mm. You have a lot of, we have a lot of gurus running around, you know, saying things that seem fantastic, but deep down they don't have a true root. Mm. And you find people really who are in real search get disappointed, you know, and it's it's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's important to go about this the right way. And the right way is to follow the right path, right? If you want to go somewhere, there's a right way of going towards that place, right? Now, there's more than one way to get to a place, but each way should be followed accordingly. So if you follow this particular way, you have to follow that way accordingly until you get to the destination. Now, speaking about, you know, experience and presence, 
one of the greatest Islamic scholars and Sufis, Ibn Arabi, talks about this hadith in a very interesting way, especially the part of Ihsan. So the Arabic of this particular text says, Ihsan it means to worship God as if you see him. So here, focus on the, the place. So if you do not see him, that's, that's the normal translation of the hadith. If you do not see him, he sees you. But Ibn Arabi translates it in a little bit of a different way. He says, It is to worship God as if you see him. So first, it starts with a position of imagination. So imagining, right, meditating, contemplating, the state of presence with God, true presence with God. And he says, He stops there. And if you are not, tarahu, you will see him. So normally we say, meaning, and if you do not see him, he sees you, right? Mm. But Ibn Arabi says, if you are not. If you are nothing. If you are nothing. Tarahu, you will see him, right? So he translates, he plays with the word, he plays with the Arabic. He's not changing anything. He's not changing the wording at all. He's just changing the position whereby you stop. So normally we stop, He says, If you are not, Tarahu, you will see him. <laughs> and he sees you. Yeah, and it reminds me of this, uh, this Indian spiritual teacher. He was saying that be nothing, then you will leave. You know, it's very hard to tell a person right now in our times to be nothing. <laughs> what does it even mean? I know. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. And it comes with a lot of risks. Like, okay, what about my family, my career, my money, my job, my, my, my spouse? Me. Yeah, my me. There's a lot of me going on, you know? Yeah. And you're like, okay, be nothing. <laughs> what does that mean? But really, the way I understand, as you're saying, if you really want to see him, if you really are searching, empty yourself. Exactly. Be silent. Silence that inner self of yours. Really be nothing. Yeah. And I mean, what are you going to lose? Really, if I'm not trying to be this, you know, motivational, headstrong person, but what are you going to lose in a world that, Everything will fade, you exactly. know. If everything belongs to an almighty being and it's, it's just passing through, what are you to lose if you be nothing to experience that beautiful thing that you and I both know are deeply seeking for, you know, deeply desperate for? In the spiritual world or in, in true spiritual understanding, you have to drop that ego. Mm. You have exactly. to. There's just no other way. And that's why when a person tells you, you know, you have to stick to the rules of, of a particular religion, at first it might be, you will be rebellious. I mean, your ego is like, why? You know, mm. there's a thing telling you, but no, this is your God asking you for him to present himself to you. It, it's, it's a small exchange for his magnificence. So it, it's, it's, a, it's quite a... It's quite a thing to to think about. <laughs> yeah, and I think we can we can actually sum it up there. Yeah, yeah. You summarized it 
pretty pretty fantastically okay. thank you very much sister thank, zofa thank you very much too you always get me through here <laughs> <laughs> anyway i hope everyone has enjoyed and we're so grateful for you listening and wish you well in your journey assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh